Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you. I know that uh, some of you were expecting KT. You were expecting Pastor Kenny to be here uh, this week and to be bringing the word. And to you, I would say me too. Um, I also expected that. Um, But on uh, Friday, uh, it came down that um, uh, some of their kids uh, are sick. And so we thought it was best if everybody just stay home this weekend, which means that it was back, the ball was back in my court. And so uh, I apologize that I am not Pastor Kenny. I apologize that I do not have uh, the energy and um, the passion that my guy has, but I will do my best in what the Lord has prepared in my heart to give you a representation of God's word that is faithful and hopefully acceptable. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, So if you've been with us, you know we've been in this series called Bloodline. If you've been with us, been with us, you know that this is the second time we've done such a series. This time, specifically going through the lineage of Jesus that we find all throughout the Old Testament, um, looking specifically through the lens of the women who are highlighted in the lineage of Jesus, or at the very least, some of them. And today, today, I have the distinct honor and privilege, unexpectedly, um, of bringing the conclusion to this series. And I believe that it's an appropriate conclusion. We've gone through, we've gone through the lineage with the likes of Sarah and Tamar and Ruth. Bathsheba. And now this week we come to a close as we transition from this point forward into a season that we'll call Advent. We reach the conclusion of this series with the woman that they call the Virgin Mary. So if you would, meet me in the Gospel of Luke. It's been a minute since we've been in the New Testament. Feels good, doesn't it? Cool, glad you care. Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. Meet me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. The Gospel says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Why on earth is an angel popping up in my day? What is about to happen? You know those State Farm commercials? And Chris Paul's like, da-da-da-da-da. Did you hear that? I have to imagine that's what Mary is like. She's chilling. She's going through her every day. And then all of a sudden, greetings. And she's like, why? 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 The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. 
for you have found favor with God. What a wonderful reason for a visit. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel a very, very logical question. She says, how will this be since, you know, I am a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And I want to read that just one more time because that is the phrase that I'm going to speak from for the next however long. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In October of 1990, People Magazine was interviewing the late, great Larry King. And they asked him, they said, man, you might be one of the dopest interviewers of all time. I mean, they didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. Said, goat status, Larry. Goat status. If you could interview anybody, I'm talking now, I'm talking past. If you could interview anybody, who would it be? Larry says, Larry King, who grew up Jewish, but had since renounced his faith and proclaimed atheism, the belief that there is no God, said, Christ. What? Larry, dopest interviewer of all time, goat status. Larry, you, Christ? Says, yeah, I got some things that I would ask him. But the most important question, the first question, really the only question that I would ask is, were you really born of a virgin? Were you really born of a virgin? Because the answer to that question changes everything. The answer to that question changes the world. Had Christ not been born of a virgin, what is to separate him from any other baby? But the immaculate conception is what makes this so significant. The fact 
that without doing that thing that we all know you need to do in order to have a baby wasn't done. And yet she conceived that child is impossible, except that he was. The answer to that question changes everything. One answer changes world history and life for everyone a part of it. The most important answer ever then may have been the one that Mary gave, as is recorded in Luke chapter 1. The most important response in eternal history may have been Mary saying yes to conceiving the Savior as a virgin. Now, to be clear, do I believe that God could have chosen somebody else? Do I believe that he would have worked out the lineage had Mary said no? Do I believe that he could have worked it out and done it another way? Of course. Do I think that thought could have also crossed Mary's mind as it has crossed so many of our minds? Can't God just use somebody else? I'm sure the thought occurred. But what's important is that the faith of a 14-year-old virgin girl named Mary changed the world forever. And now to be clear, I want the focus of our time today to be on Mary's faith and to be on the story that we receive from Mary. But in order to, to provide full context, you know me, Context is everything. I need us to really understand that when she says yes, she's not just like, yes. It's like, huh? Yeah. Like, wow. That decision is so wild in order to understand that. I want us to back up just a little bit in Luke chapter 1 to verse 5. Look at verse 5. I'm sure your Bibles are still open because you're ready to take notes in it. Listen, go back to verse 5. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. There was a what named Zechariah? Yeah, don't fall asleep on me now. There was a what named Zechariah? Come on with me. Of the divisions of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Remember her from like four minutes ago when we were reading, reading the story of later in the chapter? Remember her? And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, the righteous people. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. This doesn't sound familiar to anybody, does it? Right? Those of you who've been with us. And both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him, meaning Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Da, 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 da. But the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, you know, the Baptist. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. We're evoking some strong names in this. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Then I love this part. The angel answered him. Oh my gosh, I don't have time to tell you how much I love this part. He's like, dude, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. And behold, matter of fact, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Oh my goodness, I have so much I want to cover on this and I just don't have enough time. KT should have been up here because I might not let y'all go till Tuesday. Listen, Zechariah, Zechariah was a priest, okay? I know that ain't, that ain't clicking with some folks, so let me break it down a little bit more. Zechariah was set apart from the other parts of the lineage. In other words, Zechariah was specifically appointed to weigh in on matters of God. Zechariah was specifically appointed to go into that secret place, the Holy of Holies, on behalf of the community. See, once upon a time, it wasn't just this open line of communication between us and God. You needed a priest to go on your behalf. And he was one of them. He got to be one of them. If anyone would know the scroll, if anyone would know the text, if anyone would know the Old Testament, it was Zechariah. If anyone was set apart to do such a thing, it was Zechariah. So then I think you'll be able to track with me on what a head scratcher it is that he, in his advanced years, being an old man, married to a barren wife, why it's so crazy that he would lose faith that his wife, even in her old age, could bear a child. Why is that crazy, Pastor? I'm not tracking. I see your absence from three weeks ago. Listen to me. There's a story in the Old Testament about Sarah, who was also barren. And when God said, you will have a kid, she chuckled. But that chuckle would be the last one. Because guess what God did? He gave her a son. So you mean to tell me that of all people, Zechariah, who not only knows the story, 
but could parse the text and then preach it with the best of them. Sat there and had the audacity to say to an angel of the Lord, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That was thousands of years ago, Gabe. That was thousands of years ago. That doesn't sound like something logical that would happen today. I know that doesn't sound like any of us, but that doesn't sound like something that could still happen today. And so, and so, and Gabe's like, shut your mouth. Matter of fact, you don't get to talk no more. Man, Gabe rebuked this dude like a child. Like, you stay mute. You're in timeout. Nine months, my brother. Nine months. You don't get to say nothing. This is good word, good news. And guess who you get to tell? Not nobody. Because you're in timeout on mute for nine months. Because you of all people should have the faith. You of all people know. You of all people ought to be in here. God, I know you're capable of anything. Not like, no, don't be You know, logic and stuff. You of all people know. I don't know. How? How? Gabriel lets him know. Church, let me say it this way. God is the same. God is the same yesterday as he is today and as he will be tomorrow. Let me put it plainly. God is the same to Abraham, as he was to Zechariah, as he is to you, and as he will be to the generations that come. God does not change. And if we take away anything from this part, it ought to be that we cannot, we should not, we ought not profess faith of any kind. We ought not say with our mouths that we believe in God and then live as if we don't. We ought not say that I believe in a God who is capable of miracles. I believe in a God who bore multiple children to barren women. I believe in a God who separated a sea when it looked like all hope was lost for the slaves. I believe in a God that has a long history of deliverance. I believe in a God who has always come through with what he said he would come through on, but not for me, though. Not for me, though. That's them, though. That's a long time ago, though. That's, 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 That's my neighbor, though. That's not, my, that's not my situation. God ain't never seen a situation like my situation, man. I got bills. I got problems. I got addictions. I got things. I got things. God ain't never seen a situation like this, man. Your situation is not unique. God's put somebody through it already. If we're going to proclaim faith, but not live like it's in us, then we're no better than the atheists we pretend to preach against. See, at least atheists believe what they say. It's foolish 
it's ridiculous, but at least they back it up, right? At least they say, I don't believe in a God, and they live like it too, right? But you, to say that you do believe in a God, but to not live like you believe in the faithful one we read. Go join the atheists at their meetings. This is much worse. This is much worse, right? This is saying there's a God. This is saying his son's name is Jesus. And by the power of that name, all things are possible. And then living as if God isn't capable of working with your circumstance. That's worse. Now, to be clear, let me add this little asterisk in there. To be clear, I'm not talking about doubt or questions. I'm not talking about that, right? I'm not talking about the stuff that naturally comes up in your journey. I'm talking about proclamation and profession of faith. Then living life frantically exploring worldly options for your best way out. That's what I'm talking about. So let me ask you, where do you say you have faith? If you're in a huddle, you've already heard this question. Where do you say you have faith? But your life ain't backing that up. Where do you say that you trust God, but the way that you live doesn't show it? Oh, my gosh. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Listen to me. You might be wondering, Pastor, you said you were talking about Mary. No, I said KT was talking about Mary. But that didn't happen the way we thought it would either. This has everything to do with Mary. Because then after Gabriel leaves Zechariah, six months later, and I believe that Zechariah probably needed six months to cool off. He probably got back to God and God was like, how'd it go? And he's like, man, I muted that. Listen, he had the audacity. Zechariah, yeah, you know, the priest with the robes and the stuff. And he had the audacity to say, and God's like, you did what? I muted him, bro. I muted him. And he's lucky I ain't put him in the ground. So after cooling off for six months, God's like, go to Mary, but don't mute her. We need that message to come out. Go to Mary. Gabriel goes to Mary, and he says, look, you're going to have a baby. Now, Mary's 14. Mary's 14. Now, cultural things are a little different, right? She's engaged at this point. That's normal. Okay? She's engaged to be married. Opposite of her cousin Elizabeth, she is living the way that her as a young girl was supposed to be living, right? She was doing the things that cultural norms suggest she ought to be doing at 14. She ought to be engaged. She ought to be getting ready to marry, marry somebody who can provide for her. And she was. His name was Joseph. He was a carpenter. I don't know how good of one he was. He just, he just was one. Must have been decent because she felt like he could provide. And she's engaged to a man who also happens to be in the great ancestral tree of King David, which we know the line of King David is going to birth who? This ain't a trick question. You can't be here for the jokes and not be here for the, for the meat. Jesus. Jesus, 
The line of David is going to birth Jesus. He's handy. He'll provide. But then it all gets interrupted when Gabriel shows up and he tells Mary that she's, she's got a bigger purpose. She's got a bigger purpose than living into the role that culture says she ought to live into. Gabriel tells Mary, God's doing something so much bigger than your world will presently understand. God is doing something miraculous and he's chosen you to do it with. God's going to do something wild and yes, even in your virginity, you will give birth. And I'm sure Like Zechariah, questions come up, right? What are people going to think? Picture this. Mary, who is not yet married, who has not yet done the thing that you know you need to do to have a baby, walks out with a little baby bump. And her neighbor's like, girl? And she's like, it's not what you think. It's not, it's not what you think, right? And then Joseph's like, see, see, they think it too. They think it too. I'm not crazy. Imagine what people are going to say. How can this even be true? This defies logic. This defies anything that, 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 that science at the time and still to this day says is possible. And how could a savior be born into this? This is humble means. But the weight of what Gabriel was saying to Mary was so much greater than any of the social implications. While the knowledge of a priest, you see the connection now? While the knowledge of a priest wasn't enough to get a faithful yes, the innocence the perspective, the faith of a 14-year-old virgin girl was. I hope you know. I hope you know that God is birthing something in each of you. I hope you know that for each of us that still breathe into our lungs, that God has something so miraculous and so beautiful that he intends to do in and through you. I hope you know that those crazy dreams, that that crazy crazy pulse, that thing that gets your heart going, that's from God. I hope you know that you're not wandering around meaningless. I hope you know that though it feels as if you're on an island by yourself, you're not. I hope you know that in the midst of a job that you feel like is a dead end, that in the midst of a family situation that you don't see the redemption possible in, I hope you know that in the midst of your addictions and your vices and all the things that are done when no one else is looking, I hope you know that in your deepest of thoughts and your deepest of desires, I hope you know That above all of those things, God has a beautiful and miraculous intention for your life. I could spend eight days by myself saying this to you. 
I hope you know that. I hope you know that like Mary, you have been chosen to carry something spiritual, to carry something that if properly said yes to and lived into will change the world. Pastor, you're just, you're just getting all hyped now. You're not talking about me. I'm talking about you, man. I'm talking about you. What God has placed inside of you has the ability to change humanity forever. I'll die on that truth. Ten toes down. I'll stand on it. Listen to me. What God is birthing in you has the ability to change the world. But will you say yes? Will you fight off the logical knowledge of a righteous man in favor of the faith of a young one, a young woman? Will you fight off all of the things that the world tells you to have the faith of a virgin? And in many cases, what's inside of you defies logic. But I think, I'm thankful that we do not serve a God of logic. Amen. Will you say yes to what God is birthing in you? What does it look like? What does it look like for you to say yes to the dream, to the desire? Let me tell you what it looked like for Mary. For Mary, her saying yes to Gabriel, her saying yes to God meant she had to say no to a lot of other things. Her saying yes to Gabriel, her saying yes to God, meant she had to say no to having a normal life. Meant she had to say no to living into culture's intentions for our lives. Meant she had to say no to being exempt from specu speculation and bad talk. It meant she had to say no to flying under the radar of anyone's gossip meant she had to say no to raising a normal kid. Wow. Meant she had to say no to putting her child through all the normal stuff, doing all the stuff that society says we should do with our kids. She had to say no to that because she wasn't raising no normal kid. She was raising the son of God. She had to say no to taking time and do the intricate planning of her wedding. She had to say no to being exempt from the shame that came her way because she was carrying a baby out of wedlock. She had to say no to some stuff. Oh, but can I tell you about the journey real quick? I know KT probably would have been done by now, but is it okay with you if I just tell you about the journey real quick? Listen, I know that that means saying yes to God means we got to say no to a whole lot of normal stuff. 
It means we're saying no to a whole lot of really smart people's logic. We're saying no to a whole lot of really, really reasonable things in a lot of instances as determined by people who are not God. Right? I realize that. But the journey is incredible. When you look at John chapter 2, Jesus is kicking it back at a wedding. And the wedding runs out of wine. And Mary, same Mary, goes to Jesus because she knew that he could solve a problem. She knew that he could work it out. She didn't have a doubt because she had already carried inside of her something that wasn't supposed to be possible. She knew, oh, it's a problem. We need more because this party ain't stopping. So she didn't tell nobody, here's a few coins, run down to the store, see if it's still open, right? She didn't tell nobody, oh, use some water. They won't know that it's dumbed down by now, right? She didn't tell somebody, better go stomp some grapes. She went to Jesus, who was sitting at the table, and she's like, hey. She didn't beg him. She didn't plead with him. She didn't, she didn't ask him if he was capable. She said, hey, Jesus, ain't no more wine. Jesus is like, what's that got to do with me? I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I think a lot of our requests, no, never mind. He said, what's that got to do with me? And she's like, Looks at his disciples. She's like, whatever he tells you to do, just go do it. And she walks off the scene because she had known. She knows what he could do. I think of a proud mother seeing Jesus preach everywhere. I think of, I think of a proud mother who watches her son march through crowds and just by his shadow crossing over some people, they're healed and are given new life. I think of a proud mother who sees her son boldly proclaiming the love of God in the midst of a culture that was trying to cancel him. I think of a mother who is so proud of the work he devoted his whole life to living because she said yes to carrying something miraculous. Hallelujah. I think of a proud mother who even after seeing all that new life and transformation from her son also witnessed the brutality, the serious hatred and the death that came her son's way. As recorded in John chapter 19, she's at the foot of the cross when her son is being crucified, when the world is killing her dream, when the world is killing the source of her spiritual pride. When the world is saying to Mary, I don't care who told you what, this can't be anymore. I think of a mother who just experienced the most excruciating pain. Second, probably only to the pain that her son was experiencing himself. Folks, this is a crazy journey. Saying yes to God is wild. 
And I'm not going to lie to you. Death is still in the picture. And even on this journey, we will feel excruciating pain. (sighs) But the things that we get to be a part of, the things that we get to witness God do, the testimonies that we don't even, we don't get to just hear secondhand, but to like be there for. I wonder how much Mary would read the Gospels. Because she's like, bruh, I was there. I wonder how long Mary would live on the stories of faith of other people because she's like, I was there. I said, yes, I did what I was supposed to do. The last thing that I want to get across is that it does not matter the amount of pain the world puts you through. Because if you say yes to God, the world will put you through pain. If you say yes to God, the world will try to stop you from keep on going. But as witnessed by Mary, there is new life on the other side. There is new life and hope, not only for us now, but for eternity. I want to be a church that doesn't buy into the popular narrative. I want to be a church that believes God is birthing something here. I want to be a church that believes, yes, in Canton, Ohio. Yes, in the Southeast. Yes, on Third Street. Yes, while using a hundred-year-old building that's falling apart with yucky bathrooms. It's okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. You can email me at jada at thirdstreetchurch.com. I want to be a church that says yes in a way that leads transformation of lives. That doesn't care about all the measurables that the world sees. That cares only about the miraculous thing God is birthing. Do we have the faith of a 14-year-old virgin girl to trust that God has something better for us? The faith that says, I don't need to live a normal life because that life is not as good as the one that God has designed for me. Do we have the faith that believes that God could use people just like us to change the world forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. (laughs) Thank you for picking the right one. Be an embarrassing story otherwise. God, thank you for choosing us. 
God, you are infinitely creative. You are infinitely wise. Your plan is beautifully and perfectly designed. And God, all we want is to live into that. Help us, Father, with our unbelief. Help us, Father, for the ways we don't get out of our own heads. Help us, Father, for the ways we don't get out of our own ways. Help us, Father, as we've been faced with decisions to make and we haven't made the faithful one. Lord, forgive us. God, create in us pure hearts. God, give us, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, the faith needed to say no to the path of all the world and to say yes to the divinely anointed, appointed, and carved out path that you have for our lives. Help us today, God, by the name that makes it all possible, and that is Jesus. All who believe say, bless up.